So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say, You will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the word of the Lord. If you could keep that scripture passage open, we're going to be uh, referring to it. Um, you can also see some space um, for notes in the bulletin there as well, and in, including or a couple of questions to discuss over coffee afterwards as well. Um, somebody asked me um, earlier this week, I was with a group of, of pastors, and they were discussing what they were going to do for their Advent sermon series. And they asked me, do you have an Advent sermon series? Uh, my answer was, yes, I do. And it just happens to be a continuation of the series that we were doing before Advent as well. But it will be a little bit different. We're going to be looking at John chapter 8 um, in the, uh, the run-up to uh, Christmas. And I'll share a bit more about that in a few moments. But before I do, let's, uh, let's ask for the Lord's help. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for uh, your word. Thank you for these amazing words of Jesus Christ. Uh, those who the Son sets free are free indeed. Lord, as we've already been thinking and singing and, and hearing about the freedom Christ brings, we pray that you might free our minds and our hearts from distractions, free us uh, by your Spirit to understand your word today and through your truth that uh, set us free. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Freedom, family, faith. Uh, from an outsider's perspective, I would say there are no three words you could choose that are more American. Uh, think about the holiday season in particular. Uh, first, there was Veterans Day. Uh, on that day, we remember the sacrifices of those who have fought to protect our freedoms. Uh, then there was Thanksgiving, a great time for family. In fact, a time when we get together with family or with friends and we, we stuff our faces and celebrate uh, the love that we have together. Uh, finally, there is Christmas, uh, or perhaps even the Jewish feast of Hanukkah. Uh, there we recall the foundation of faith that many would argue lies at the very heart of this great nation. Freedom, family, faith. In fact, I mentioned to uh, this group of pastors that that was going to be the theme of my sermon series, and they wondered if I was going to be holding a political rally or something. Uh, don't these words uh, want you to sing God Bless America, or perhaps even that great song, I'm Proud to Be an American? Uh, it is true, actually, this country has an amazing heritage of freedom, of, of family, and of faith. Uh, I'm even willing to acknowledge that as an Englishman. Uh, but what is freedom? What is family? Uh, what is faith? Uh, at the present time, these questions lie very much at the heart of this country's political and cultural tensions. In fact, it seems to me that the way we answer these questions presents a kind of fault line. Uh, many feel that these things need to be defended, freedom, family, faith, uh, while others believe that it is time that we redefine them. Uh, like it or not, we find ourselves in the middle of, a, uh, uh, of something of a culture war about these issues. Uh, and as followers of Christ, we need to ask, where exactly should we stand? Uh, do we embrace progress, or should we become staunch defenders of tradition? And now I don't 
raise this simply to start a fight. I'm not trying to push a particular political perspective. I actually say this because I believe this is what John chapter 8 is all about. Uh, John chapter 8 verses 31 through 59 uh, show us Jesus teaching about these same three things, freedom, family, and faith. And as Christians, I would argue that amid the ruckus of our age, we need more than anything to be listening to what Jesus says about these issues. Uh, Jesus takes uh, these very things in a very different direction in John chapter 8, however. Uh, What he tells us, I believe, is challenging, never mind where we stand on the cultural or political spectrum. And so we're going to spend the next three weeks dwelling on on the rest of this chapter, John chapter 8, 31 through 59. Uh, Over Advent, we're going to be thinking about freedom, about family, and about faith from the Lord Jesus Christ's perspective. Uh, And this week, we're looking at 31 through 36, and our theme today is freedom, true freedom. Uh, This is what Jesus came to bring. And listen to that promise in verse 31. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Uh, But what is true freedom, and how do we attain that freedom? Uh, This is what we discover in our text today. Uh, We discover that true freedom is freedom from sin. True freedom is freedom from sin. And this true freedom from sin only comes through true faith in God's Son. Uh, True freedom from sin comes from true faith in God's Son. Uh, There are two parts of that, as you can tell. Firstly, we'll think about true faith. Uh, Sorry, firstly, we'll think about true freedom, true freedom, Uh, and then we'll think much more briefly about true faith, because we're going to look at that in a a few weeks' time as well. But firstly, let's think about true freedom, true freedom from sin. Uh, That is to say, this is the kind of freedom Jesus came to bring. Uh, When he speaks about freedom in this verse, he isn't just talking about it in some general sense. Uh, He means freedom from sin in particular. And true freedom is freedom from sin. That's essentially the main point. Uh, And this becomes clear when you realize the nature of true freedom is is something our our text today drives us to consider. Uh, Jesus says this familiar statement, the truth will set you free. Uh, And over the years, I I should say, perhaps more than any other statement of Jesus Christ, this is one that has been hijacked, particularly by academia. Uh, The truth will set you free. It's a common saying in academic circles. It it promotes the idea of the value of learning or the pursuit of academic freedom. Maybe you even see this sort of above a lecture hall or or, or on a t-shirt or maybe it's a college motto. Uh, But notice the initial response this statement receives. It it actually, very far from being popular, it it clearly offends Jesus' original listeners. Uh, And those listeners are the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. Jesus is promising freedom, but what do they say? Well, look at verse 33. Verse 33. Uh, They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. Now, just pause and reflect on that for a moment. Is that really true? I mean, isn't the entire history of Israel basically one of enslavement and then one of rescue? Uh, They were enslaved to Egypt and God brought them out. They were enslaved to Babylon and, and God brought them out of exile. And even now, as Jesus speaks this, they're basically enslaved to Rome. Uh, While they have a measure of religious freedom, they're occupied by Roman troops. Uh, Are the leaders ignorant of their history? Well, I I don't think so. In fact, their very statement, I think, raises this question, what sort of freedom are they talking about? And and what sort of freedom is Jesus referring to? What is freedom? Uh, I mean, what would you say to that? If someone asked you, what is freedom, how would you answer? 
Uh, when we think of freedom today, I think we usually uh, use the term in, in, in one of two related senses. Uh, firstly, we think of personal freedom. Personal freedom. Uh, by this, we mean personal independence. Uh, the freedom to do what we want. Uh, to be free, in other words, is to have personal autonomy, to, to make our own choices and to do so without restraint. Uh, this kind of freedom is enshrined in the Bill of Rights. Freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of assembly, freedom of religion. And it seems to me that this kind of personal freedom is, is something cherished uh, both on the right and on the left. Uh, to be sure, it is approached in a very different way across the political spectrum. But, but isn't it a, a love of of personal freedom that, that drives so many people today? Isn't it a love of personal freedom that, that, that leads so many to reject too much government intrusion? And perhaps even the same commitment to personal freedom suggests somehow that, that boys might be able to become girls. Personal freedom, autonomy, the right to do as we please. I think that's a, a common concept when we think about freedom. Uh, but then, of course, there is another way we think about it. That is political freedom, political freedom. Uh, by this, I mean the opposite of tyranny or political oppression. Uh, the nation was founded on a commitment to this kind of freedom, freedom from, uh, from British oppression. I I'm stand here and, uh, and acknowledge before you. It was launched by a declaration of independence, another word for freedom. Uh, and what did that mean? Well, it, it meant freedom... Uh, the freedom of the people to be governed by the people for the people. Political freedom is the right to self-government in a more corporate sense. It includes a commitment to the core principles of democracy. Uh, everyone has a right to be engaged in their own government. Isn't that a, what it means to be a free nation? And yet, on the other hand, there is this tension, isn't there? Because, because uh, everyone should be right to be free from intrusive government and hence uh, the right to a fair trial or, or protection from unlawful search or seizure. Uh, maybe my understanding of all of this is a little bit off, but uh, I think I'm at least partly prepared to pass that civics exam that I have to take if I ever want to become a citizen. Uh, the fundamental point I'm making, though, is this. When we think about freedom, we usually think about it in this personal or political sense. And we might ask, well, what do the Jewish leaders mean? In what sense have they never been enslaved to anyone? Uh, well, they can't mean it in a political sense, can they? Maybe they mean they're free in a personal sense. Uh, maybe they mean that no matter what happens to God's people politically, they, there is always a faithful remnant, uh, people who worship God freely no matter the consequences. I think of Daniel, the way that he worshipped God even in Babylon. There's an element of freedom in that, isn't there, even while he experienced oppression? Uh, but the key point actually is this, that however they think about freedom, Jesus is using the word in a very different sense. That after all, they think they are free. And that is why when Jesus offers them freedom, they begin to feel insulted. And I suspect the, might, the same thing might be true of many Americans today. Uh, come to Jesus and you'll be free. But we're already free. In fact, maybe you'll start singing that song again, I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. And yet here is the thing. I think this is vital. I don't think I can emphasize this enough. It is so important to grasp Jesus offers a very different, better, and more fundamental kind of freedom than that. He didn't come to bring personal freedom. And he didn't come to bring political freedom either. He came to set you free from a much greater kind of oppression. He came to set you free from the tyranny 
of sin. And look at what Jesus says in verse 34. We're already free. That's what the Jewish leader seems to say. But, but how does Jesus reply to them? Really, he says, oh, no, you're not. Look with me at verse 34. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But, but what is sin anyway? Now, often we think of sin simply as doing naughty things. In fact, there was a popular diet not too long ago that, that allowed you to commit so many sins a week. Uh, of course, a sin was a bowl of ice cream or a, a piece of chocolate cake. At, at its worst, sin is just some sort of unhealthy indulgence. At best, a, a guilty pleasure we should pursue. Uh, but in the Bible, sin is much worse than that. Sin isn't just unhealthy. Sin is deadly. Uh, sin, first and foremost, has to do with the way we relate to God. Uh, you see, the Bible is clear. We didn't just come out of nowhere. We aren't an accident. No, God made us, and God loves us. Uh, God made us in his image. Uh, he did this so that we could have a loving relationship with him. He wants, to know, he wants us to know him, uh, even as he knows us. He, he wants us to love him, uh, even as he loves us. Uh, and what is sin? Well, sin is a rejection of that love. It is to turn our backs on the God who made us. Uh, sin is fundamentally rebellion. In fact, you could say this, it isn't just breaking God's rules, it is making our own rules. It's trying to live life our own way without him. Uh, in other words, sin is a quest. In fact, we could say this, sin is a quest for personal freedom, a personal autonomy, personal independence from God. Uh, to be free from the loving restraint of God's rule, to be free from God's government intrusion into my life and the way I want to live it. Uh, sin promises freedom. Uh, that's what sin is. Uh, but that isn't what sin brings, is it? Uh, Jesus tells us to turn away from God ultimately it leads to slavery itself. Whoever practices sin is a slave to sin. Uh, sin promises freedom but brings slavery. In fact, we could say this, sin traffics human souls. Sin traffics human souls. In fact, maybe you're familiar with the harrowing way that, that human trafficking often works today. It is a sobering thing, and I, I hesitate to bring it up, but, but here is the way that it often works, and I, I quote from a, a popular website. A woman in a poor Eastern European country sees a billboard advertising a glamorous waitressing job in New York City. Eager for a chance to work in an affluent country, she calls the number on the billboard. She's told that for $3,000, a company will take her to New York. Uh, and as she works there, she can, she can pay off that money. And so she boards the plane. And when the plane lands, it becomes very clear that she is not taken to a cafe or a restaurant. Uh, she's taken to a sweatshop or something worse. In other words, what is promising life and freedom uh, actually turns out to be a slavery. Uh, and listen, this is the problem with the whole of humanity, says Jesus Christ, on a much grander scale. We're all lured in by the promise of freedom that, that comes from sin, and yet those promises turn out to be empty. Our earliest parents fell for Satan's sordid schemes, and ever since, every one of us has fallen for it, hook, line, and sinker. And so we are slaves to sin, says Jesus Christ. Uh, and what does this look like? Well it, well, it means we're slaves to our sinful desires. We're addicted to sin, aren't we? In fact, the Apostle Paul says this in Titus 3, verse 3. Let me read this. He says that apart from Christ, we are foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. 
And in addition to being slaves to our desires, we're slaves to sin's destiny as well. Sin leads to death. Uh, After death, we face the judgment of God, as Paul writes in Ephesians 2, verse 3. While we're following our sinful desires and thoughts like the rest, we are slaves uh, deserving of wrath, deserving God's punishment in hell. Uh, And this is why the pursuit of personal or political freedom is something that will never work for humanity. In fact, I'd argue that rather than being a part of the solution, a quest for personal freedom is actually part of the problem, isn't it? A personal freedom is is being free to do what we want. Uh, But the problem is what we want is all wrong. We want the wrong thing, don't we? We want to be free from God, which is where slavery began. Uh, When it comes to sin, autonomy, uh, independence are really the heart of the problem with humanity. And likewise, political freedom won't help us. Uh, not that it's a bad thing, but, but it just won't solve the heart of the issue. Uh, and this is, in fact, something I heard at one point uh, during all of that craziness to do with COVID. Uh, I kind of hesitate to bring this up, but I, I'm hoping it's far enough away that we can sort of put it behind us, maybe. I heard somebody say this to me. They said, look, all the government needs to do is to treat people like adults, and they'll start behaving like adults. Well, maybe that's true, but how do adults act? Well, all too often they act like children, if not like animals. Perhaps we're a bit more sophisticated, but no less sinful. A political freedom is about being governed by the people for the people. Well, can you see the problem there? Well, the problem is the people, isn't it? There's no way to avoid this. Uh, It is true, of course, with, with checks and balances, you might be able to mitigate the problem. But who comes up with those checks and balances? Well, it's the people, again. It just isn't going to work, is it? At left to itself, sin is like a mighty torrent. It's, in fact, it's just like the recent flooding that, that devastated Libya. Maybe you read about this in the news. The BBC reported, as the waters rose, two dams spanning the Derna Valley burst on September 11th, causing catastrophic flooding. And so too, sin is too powerful for us to tame. And the problem is, all of us are sinners. All of us are slaves to sin. So, so who on earth is even here that's going to be able to tame it? And this is the amazing news of John chapter 8, isn't it? This is the amazing thing about what Jesus says. This is why Jesus' words in verse 31 are such good news. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Now, Jesus has come to set us free. Uh, Not to bring us personal freedom or political freedom, but freedom from sin itself. And he alone, he alone is the one that can do this. Why? Because he himself isn't enslaved. Uh, He is the son of God. Uh, He came into the world to set us free. Look at verse 34 again. Uh, This really is the good news of Christmas, isn't it? Uh, This is what we remember this Advent season. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. That's the problem. But look at the solution. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Then look at verse 36. So if the son, that is Jesus Christ himself, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now you see, this is the great plan of God. Uh, That God, in his great love for us, has a a plan to save us from the consequences of our own rebellion against him. In fact, it's a slightly cheesy illustration, but it it makes the point so well. I I think of that movie, Taken. Uh, You know the movie with uh, with Liam Neeson? It is not a great movie, so I hesitate to use it. It might not be that great an illustration. 
Uh, but that movie is uh, a movie about how Neeson's daughter, of course not his actual daughter, but in the movie, uh, is abducted by human traffickers in a way that are similar to the one I mentioned earlier. And the whole movie centers on the length he goes to in order to save her. Uh, and how is he able to do this? Well, there's a moment, uh, really the key moment in the movie when he's on the phone discussing this with her captors. And what he says is this. I'm not going to try and do an, uh, the sort of Neeson accent, but, uh, but, but this is what he says. He says, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for a ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. I think the whole movie was made so that Neeson got a chance to deliver those dramatic lines. Um, and I think it's become a popular meme ever since. But this, in one sense, is the message of John chapter 8, to be serious for a moment. Uh, what Jesus is saying is this, all of us are slaves to sin. Sin ravages our lives. It ravages society. It devastates God's world. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has a very particular set of skills. Uh, skills that are a nightmare to sin, death, and the devil. Uh, only he can set us free. Why? Because he's not a slave to sin. He's the Son of God, incarnate God, come to earth to the rescue. Uh, and to experience that, we need to accept the truth, the truth about ourselves, that we are in fact slaves to sin, and the truth about Jesus Christ, that he has come to save us. And we need to embrace the truth about what true freedom really is. But we need to understand that real freedom transcends our everyday debates and battles about personal and political freedoms. In fact, if we could apply this to the contemporary challenges facing our nation today, what I think I'd say is this, as a church, we need to be very, very careful not to conflate Christian freedom with political and personal freedom. And we need to be very careful not to associate Jesus with a particular political cause and to do so in the name of freedom. Now, putting it bluntly, we need to avoid any suggestion that the reason Jesus came and the reason Jesus died was so that we could have a smaller government. And likewise, Jesus didn't come so that we could all get the political franchise, as if Jesus died so that each of us could have a vote. And we need to be very careful not to equate the liberty of Christ with, with so-called social justice or the cause of, of political or social liberation. No, Jesus didn't come to set us free from a, a system in which we're oppressed. He came to set us free from sin and the condemnation of God. And apart from him, all of us are slaves to sin. And that is true whoever we are, socially, economically, ethnically. It is true no matter where we sit on the political spectrum. And so we have to be careful not to conflate Christian freedom with, with any other form of freedom. Uh, but we also need to remain confident. This is a, the second application here. We have to be confident of the freedom that Jesus Christ brings. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. We need to remember that Jesus has freed us from the penalty of sin. Uh, Jesus Christ has died and risen so that our sins no longer count against us. Uh, we need to have confidence that Jesus is freeing us more and more from the power of sin. Uh, that by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can say no. 
And we need to understand that ultimately he will free us from the presence of sin. In fact, did you notice the future tense here? Uh, we will be free indeed. Free from all sin. Free from all of the suffering sin causes. Uh, free. Uh, free to serve God in a new, glorious, perfect creation. And so we need to remember as Christians uh, that we can know real freedom in Jesus Christ. A freedom that transcends our personal or our political circumstances. Even if we are literally enslaved or, or, or subject to other unchangeable challenges, we can know freedom from sin through Jesus Christ. Uh, what an amazing thing, what a glorious truth that, that even when we have no political control, we have complete freedom through Jesus. Uh, what does that mean? Well, it means that by the power of God, uh, the things that we face in life don't need to crush us. Instead, we're able to respond in ways that glorify God, ways that honor him. And we can be assured that amid anything and everything, God still loves us. Even if we're politically oppressed, we can know that we are truly free, truly free through Christ. And I think of our brothers and sisters in Christ, in, in China, in North Korea, and other places that, that seek to oppress Christians. What an amazing truth that through Christ, it isn't, in fact, the Christians who are oppressed. In fact, it is the sinful governments who are truly oppressed under the power of sin. And Christians, weak and lowly and discouraged though they are, are the ones who experience real freedom. That freedom from sin's tyranny through Jesus Christ. And so firstly, we need to note what true freedom is. It is freedom from sin through Jesus. And secondly, notice how this true freedom from sin comes. It only comes through true faith in God's Son. Uh, that's our second point, true faith in God's Son. And, and maybe you'll be happy to know I'm going to make this point a little bit more briefly. Uh, in one sense, we've already made this point. Uh, we've said the only hope of true freedom is Jesus Christ. And, but before we go, we want to dig down into that a little bit more deeply. If true freedom is only found in Christ, we have to ask, how do we get Jesus Christ? How do we obtain real freedom from him? And the answer of the text is this. It is by faith, by faith. Uh, look down at, at verse 31 again with me. Uh, notice who Jesus Christ is speaking to as he says these words, verse 31. Uh, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And I notice who Jesus is speaking to. He's speaking to the Jews who believed in him. In other words, there, there seem to have been some converts uh, among this group of Jewish leaders. Uh, Jesus is talking to people of faith, or so it seems. I mean, they've seen everything Jesus has done, the miraculous signs, and they've heard everything Jesus has to say, and, and so they've come to a conclusion. They believe in him. They, they begin to believe he's perhaps the Messiah, the Christ, God amongst them. Uh, what an amazing thing. Think about this. Some of the Jewish leaders have been converted. Uh, this is what we pray for friends, for family, uh, that they would come to faith in Christ. In fact, just earlier in Sunday school, some of us dis were discussing how we might invite uh, our friends to learn more about Christ during uh, this Christmas season. Uh, and imagine this. If, imagine that one of your friends comes to the Christmas Eve service, and uh, on the way home, they tell you in the car, look, I, I heard this, and I would like to become a Christian. Uh, they believe in Jesus Christ. But wouldn't that make you a little bit enthusiastic, a little bit, you know, uh, fired up about what the Lord was doing amongst you? But before we get too enthusiastic about their response, Jesus issues a challenge, doesn't he? Uh, to those eager young believers, what does he say? He says, only if you abide 
in my word? Are you truly my disciples? Now, that word abide means simply to remain. In fact, it's like a debate I had with a friend from England uh, who was visiting just the other week. Uh, We were talking about Christmas trees, and and maybe you can help resolve this debate for me. Uh, When you cut down a Christmas tree, is it still alive? Now, I won't tell you which side of the debate I was on, but it was an interesting discussion over lunch, maybe. Uh, Now, there are still certain signs of life, aren't there? Those needles are still green. Uh, But is it actually alive? I mean, the sap seems to be circulating. There is still life in the tree. It's alive, but it's certainly dying as well, as that uh, pile of needles on the floor will testify to in a few weeks. And why is it dying? Well, it's dying for this reason, because it does not abide. It doesn't remain attached to the roots. In the same way to experience true life and freedom, we must remain attached to Jesus Christ. We must remain rooted in him. And and it's interesting, isn't it? We must specifically remain rooted to his word. Uh, This is the difference between true faith and fair weather faith. In fact, it's a little bit like the parable of the sower. Uh, The seed that falls on rocky ground has no root. The seed that falls along the weeds gets choked out by other things. But true faith, saving faith, The faith that sets us free is faith that really endures. And to reverse the metaphor, faith that is firmly established in the seatbed of Jesus' life-giving and liberating words. Why does this matter so much? Why do I emphasize this point? Because because, uh, many people, I think, get this wrong and do so to their own peril. They believe they are free. Why? Because, Because they prayed a prayer several years ago. Uh, And yet we have to ask, are they abiding in the word of Jesus Christ? Are they truly Jesus Christ's disciples? Or are they like these Jewish leaders who believe in him? Who actually several months later will be the ones that crucify him? Uh, Will they stand with Jesus Christ and his word when his teaching is hard? Uh, Will they live by his teaching when what he says is unpopular or unpalatable to an unbelieving culture? Will they throw him and his word under the bus when when the opposition begins to mount against him? We need to abide in his word. That's really the nature of true faith. In one sense, it doesn't really matter whether you believed in Jesus yesterday. The question is, will you continue to trust in him today? And this is how we know true freedom. You see, it's, it's almost as if there's a chain here, isn't there? There's a logic in these verses. If anyone abides in Jesus' words, then they will come to know the truth. What truth do they come to know? Well, they know the truth about themselves, that they're slaves to sin. This is something we come to know more and more deeply as we listen to and abide in the words of Jesus. The Bible acts like a mirror. It reveals us to ourselves. It exposes our sin. And the longer we remain in the Bible, the nature and depth of our sin only becomes more and more clear. Uh, But thankfully, that's not the only thing God's word reveals to us, is it? Uh, The more we read and remain in God's word, the more uh, we come to know the great and glorious truth of his salvation through the Lord Jesus. Uh, The more we begin to see the love and power and wisdom of God. He has come to save us from our sins. Uh, As we abide in Christ, we come to know that truth more and more deeply. As we come to know that truth, what happens? Well, Jesus says the truth will set you free. 
In other words, the only way to know true freedom is through true faith in Jesus Christ, and true faith means means abiding in Jesus Christ's word. Freedom can be ours today, but only if we will remain, only if we'll abide in the teachings of Jesus, only if we remain rooted in him. The truth shall set you free. Can you see how that phrase, in fact, has nothing to do with academic freedom? It's not about making bold new scientific discoveries, nor is it about personal or political liberty. It's about knowing and believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God has come in the flesh to set us free from our sins. A true freedom from sin comes through true faith in God's Son. May God grant each of us that faith and that freedom this holiday season. Let's pray. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, we thank you so much for uh, your word. Thank you for the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ about the real nature of freedom. And thank you that not only does he teach uh, about these things, but he came and lived and died and rose so that we might experience them. And so we pray today that you would help us to abide in the words of Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, uh, for those of us uh, who perhaps are new to this, help us to believe in him for the first time. And, and having believed in him, help us abide and truly be your disciples. And for those of us struggling with sin, maybe particular sins, Lord, we pray that you might set us free. Help us to experience this freedom that is ours through Jesus. Uh, help us know freedom from that penalty of sin that we're forgiven in him. Help us know freedom from its power in in the powerful work of your spirit. And Lord, thank you for that great promise in that last day when Jesus Christ comes again, where we'll know perfect freedom in eternity. And so fill our hearts with, uh, with confidence about these things. And we pray them in Jesus' name. Amen.